Hey there, future fans! This week, we all take some martial arts, and what do we learn? Well, we learn some kaiju jitsu. This is the week of April 2nd, 2021, and you are listening to episode 198 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Welcome to the show. Yes, that terrible joke I came up with all on my own. You are welcome. You can steal that, claim it as your own, make your friends think you are incredibly clever, just like me. So yes, welcome to the show. What is the show, in case you're new? Well, this is Future Flicks with Billiam. Normally, when COVID's not a thing, we talk about all of the movies coming out during the week, whether it's hitting streaming or coming to theaters in a wide release or just a couple indie theaters here and there. But during COVID, we talk about movies only coming out on streaming, and then I talk about a movie or two that I have watched on a streaming service that you two could watch. As always, we discuss the movie news and trailers that have dropped since I last had an episode. You can find this podcast on any podcast app, also Spotify and many, many other places. Just search. You can find a place to listen to me, because guess what? You already are listening to me. So thank you. Thank you for that. I do appreciate it. I appreciate the support. Don't forget to follow me on all the various social medias like uh, Twitter and Instagram, Billiam SWN there, and my bookstagram account, Reading Rainbill. Be sure to follow that. If any of you have Letterboxd, let me know and I'll uh, share my information there. But if you don't remember, let me tell you what movies we're watching for this week. Uh, the only movie I'm fully going into is Godzilla vs. Kong. That's coming out on Wednesday. That's why this episode was uh, was later uh, than it normally is. Though during COVID, I just, uh, you know, sometimes I just take my time because it's not as pressing anymore. So Godzilla vs. Kong is what we're talking about. Then I'm also going to talk about the movies leading up to it. Not a lot. Just, just a little talk about the Godzilla from 2014? 2016? Was it? I don't remember. 2014, I think. Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of Monsters. So this is a kaiju-centric episode. Yes, that's right. But before we get into the giant monsters, let us jump into our first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. This first story from Digital Spy asks, After Zack Snyder's Justice League, will Cyborg get a solo movie? Short answer, no. And to bring back a favorite joke of mine, long answer, no. And to give credit where credit is due, I didn't come up with that joke. Um, I first saw it, or heard it, from uh, Yahtzee Kroshoff from uh, Escapist. But yes, apparently there's been a lot of hype about the Snyderverse. We all know this. We, we, we do. We know this. But we also know that Warner Brothers has said, nope, even though you love this, even though this is what you wanted, even though you love this better than what we already have done, this is not canon. Uh, you can take your nerd tears and just send them to us because we will drink them. It's what we feed off of. 
we enjoy nerd tears brought on by our bad decisions. And that's exactly what they said. And I'm not even paraphrasing. And then also, I'm not sure if they would bring Ray Fisher back, especially because he first spoke out about Joss Whedon being a bastard. So yeah, a, a, a solo cyborg movie isn't looking good. And even before all this came out, even before the Snyder Cut, even before the allegations of just terrible treatment from Joss Whedon came out, we knew that Ray Fisher didn't think a cyborg movie was going to be a thing because he said, look, it would cost a lot of money to make because of all the CG and how CG heavy cyborg is. And to that, I say... Why the fuck does it have to be so much CG? Go back and look at the Borg on Star Trek. They still hold up. I mean, it's not fantastic, but you could do a mix of actual practical effects and CG, bring the cost down a bit. Watch watch Star Trek First Contact. The Borg still look good, even if the rest of the graphics don't hold up, they do. In news from Variety... I did report earlier that Billy Crudup has stepped away from the Flash movie. Billy Crudup plays the Flash's dad. Now, actor Ron Livingston has stepped forward. Ron Livingston, who you would know from Band of Brothers, uh, The Conjuring, um, Friday Night Lights, the TV show. Uh, He's been around the block a few times. In a story from Hollywood Reporter, Pierce Brosnan has been added to the cast of Black Adam. Two Black Adam stories this week, actually. Pierce Brosnan is going to play Dr. Fate. Yes, Dr. Fate, a character I never thought we would see on the big screen. The other bit of Justice, not Justice League, the other bit of Black Adam news is that we now have a release date set for 2022. In fact, July 29th, 2022 is the release date for Black Adam. Dwayne The Rock Johnson came out with that news today, and I already can't wait. And let's talk about... um. Let's talk about toxic fandoms, shall we? Let's talk about that. Uh, we, we, well, we could do a whole episode on toxic fandoms, and I routinely shit on Star Wars fans because Star Wars fans, with sarcastic air quotes, are easily some of the most toxic. The boss of Warner Brothers, and Sarnoff, who's Warner Media CEO, came out and said that we're not tolerating any of that when it comes to threats and just plain old nastiness from the Again, sarcastic air quotes, fans. She said that behavior is reprehensible. No matter what franchise you're talking about or what business you're talking about, it's completely unacceptable. I am very disappointed in the fans that have chosen to go that negative place with regards to DC, with regard to some of our executives. It's just disappointing because we want this to be a safe place. So if you know any of these people um, who are unhappy that the Snyderverse isn't happening and choose to express that through threats and uh, personal attacks on the people behind these this decision at Warner Brothers, uh, just punch him in the face or just kick him in the head. No, okay, please don't do that. That could kill someone. But at least, you know, knock him upside the head with one of those dummy smacks going, what the f*** are you doing, you dumb piece of shit? Don't do that. Are the people behind Warner Brothers huge idiots for ignoring what could easily be a big moneymaker? Yes, 100%. Do they deserve death threats and to be shit-talked online? No. The most I will do is call them morons because that's what they are. But I will not threaten them. I will not go more than just a moron. And no one should do that. So if you know anyone who does that, try and put them in their place. And finally, in the news, 
we have news from space.com that apparently the long-awaited last Starfighter sequel is very, very close and has a sizzle reel. Ooh, sizzle reel. If you don't know what a sizzle reel is, uh, I wasn't sure either, and I thought I knew, and I had to Google it. Turns out I was right, but I I didn't know. (laughs) So to help you know, it's a generally three to five minute short video made up of clips at a fast pace to give you this ooh and ah feeling, basically to sell something. So screenwriter Gary Whitta shared that they're very interested in a Last Starfighter sequel. So I watched the sizzle reel and it's just a bunch of um, concept drawings. And it, I mean, cool, I think, but who has really been waiting for a Last Starfighter sequel? Even if you love the film like me, even if you're a big fan of it, who has really been sitting around going, ooh, I wonder if they're going to do it. Will 2020 be the year they make a Starfight- Last Starfighter sequel? No. Will 2021 be? No. Maybe next year. Like, who is really waiting for this? But that being said, just based on the concept art, if they can do anything close to what the conce- concept art shows, it should at least be interesting, even though no one's asking for it. Well, my future friends, a couple more stories that I found, and one that I forgot to talk about. Uh, We have this story from the playlist. Sebastian Stan has shut down the rumors that he has been cast as Luke Skywalker, but he does say that he is open to playing Luke Skywalker. So I guess there was some news going around that Disney had their eye on him, and while maybe someone at Disney has their eye on him, uh, nothing has been set in stone, and he is open for it, but but nothing uh, nothing has been confirmed yet. And you know what? Let's not end with the sad story. So the story that I did miss uh, and forgot to talk about this week uh, thus far was that actress Jessica Walter has passed away at the age of 80. Uh, Jessica Walter, a lot of people nowadays would know her as Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development, Mallory Archer from Archer. Uh, But she first gained fame in 1971, playing alongside Clint Eastwood in Play Misty for Me. But she's been around for so long, I guarantee there's something you have seen her in. And something I didn't know, I didn't know she was the voice of the mother dinosaur in Dinosaurs. She was the voice of Fran Sinclair that I I never knew. I can't believe it. I can't believe that I have become familiar with her, went back and watched episodes of Dinosaurs, and didn't put this together. Uh, She passed away this week, or last week, at the age of 80. And finally, in the news, we're getting a sequel to Enchanted. That's right, Disenchanted is finally moving forward. We have a couple people signing on. Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey have signed on. And the news is that James Marsden and Indina Menzel are confirmed to reprise their roles in the series. This is still in early pre-production. The only thing that's known is a basic premise that this takes place 10 years after her Happily Ever After uh, Giselle questions her happiness, inadvertently turning the lives of those in the real world and Andeslazia, I think is how you say it, upside down in the process. So if you liked Enchanted, we are getting a sequel to that. Well, my future friends, that is it for the news. Let us take our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, and we'll be right back with the trailers. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. 
find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. It is time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. Well, my friends, the first trailer we have to talk about is for a movie called Edge of the World, starring Jonathan Reese Myers, Dominic Monaghan, and it's about the adventures of Sir James Brooke, who defied the British Empire to rule a jungle kingdom in the 1840s in Borneo. He embarked on a lifelong crusade to end piracy, slavery, and headhunting, and inspired Lord Jim and the man who would be king. I think a movie like this has to be very careful because it could very easily look like this British guy coming in to rule over all these dumb savages kind of thing. And I hope it's not that. I hope that these people do have a culture. I just hope this is dealt with delicately. But either way, it doesn't matter. They could they could deal with this topic perfectly. And it still just looks eh. Even though I like... Um, even though I like Dominic Monaghan, even though I like Jonathan Reese Myers, it just seems skippable. 100% skippable. There were two other trailers I was going to talk about, but I I just can't fully talk about them. They look so bad. One's called uh, one's called Triumph with Terrence Howard about this kid with cerebral palsy or something who becomes a wrestler and not a professional wrestler, like a like a high school or college wrestler. And that would be fine, but it just looks so cheesy. The poster looks like one of those like awful feel-good sports movies that just put no thought into it. And the other one is The Virtuoso with Anthony Hopkins. And this feels like a movie that Anthony Hopkins was bored. And he went, okay, I have a little bit of time. I'll, I have enough time, just like I did with Mission Impossible 2. And that's the kind of effort I'll put into this. Because he's the this guy in charge of this hitman who accidentally kills a person accidentally kills the wrong person when he's trying to kill someone else and he's haunted by it, blah, blah, blah. So let's move on to talk about the trailers that do look interesting. There are only two of them left. Three of them left. Let's talk about the Mortal Kombat trailer. We, just like with Godzilla vs. Kong, we've had a lot more Mortal Kombat trailers coming out. These are like 30 second, like 15 to 30 second ones where it just shows a new scene, something interesting, and this still looks good. And it kind of hints that the powers come to them because of Mortal Kombat, because we see Kano, who watches, who I assume is Liu Kang, throw a fireball, and then he says, so what, am I going to get powers too? And then it cuts to a, a scene of him shooting a laser out of his eye, which we know he could do from the game. We know Liu Kang can throw fireballs. So it seems like the magic isn't going to be inherent in them, that something about the tournament is going to bring it out. I'm still very excited for this. Still disappointed that Johnny Cage is not is not going to be in it, but what can you do? But enough about the trailers I didn't like. Let's talk about the trailers I did like before we end with the big one. So we have a trailer for a film called Stowaways. This comes out on Netflix on April 22nd, and it has a really good cast. It stars Anna Kendrick, Daniel Day Kim, Tony Collette, and Shamir Anderson. Uh, you may know the first three. If you're not familiar with Shamir Anderson, you would know him from movies like Race, TV shows like Goliath and Winona Earp. I know Trailer Park Boys is very uh, popular, so if you re remember the character Sammy OG, then you've seen him. 
So Stowaway is a sci-fi thriller with a very limited cast, which I think is great for movies like this. So movies like Moon, movies like, well, not really The Martian because it was back on Earth a lot. But, you know, things like this where there aren't going to be a lot of people. There's only four people on this mission. So this movie is about this mission to Mars, uh, this mission that's working on terraforming Mars, making it so we can live on Mars. The mission is going. They've already left Earth. And this guy wakes up and he's like, oh, shit, where am I? Turns out he's a, he's a stowaway, but he didn't really mean to. And that's my question. <laughs> that's my question here. Are you a stowaway if you don't mean to? Anyway, somehow he gets stuck inside the capsule and they find him. He doesn't mean to be there. He doesn't want to be there because it's a two year mission. He has a sister he has to take care of because he's her caretaker. But he can't get back. It's too late. It's too late to turn back. And so he, he decides to go along with him on the mission. He's learning everything. And then something happens. The life support breaks. This mission was made for three people. There are four people now. It's not going to be as easy to make it. And from what I gather in the trailer, instead of going, well, someone needs to go. Hmm, who's the only one? <laughs> who's the only one that's not trained for this? This dude... They go, okay, well, you know what? We will make the best, we'll make do with what we can. Even if it's probably going to kill us, we probably won't make it. But you know what? We're going to do it. We're going to do our mission. And so these people resign themselves that we're probably not coming back. And of course, with a movie like this, it could go either way. They could fix it. Maybe this guy is a key to fixing it. Maybe he has to make the ultimate sacrifice to save everyone else so we can save this mission to Mars. It can go so many different directions. It can be super dark, like I get the feeling it is, or it could just kind of come around last minute and be very hopeful. Either way, this sounds interesting. Coming out on Netflix, April 22nd. But let's talk about the big trailer. The big trailer that dropped. We have a full trailer for James Gunn's Suicide Squad, written and directed by James Gunn. Some of the cast of the first movie are returning. Margot Robbie's returning. Jai Courtney's returning. Viola Davis, the wonderful Viola Davis, is returning. And there's a full cast of people, and it's amazing. So we have Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flagg. Sylvester Stallone voicing King Shark. Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. Idris Elba as Bloodsport. Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang. Michael Rooker as Savant. Alice Braga as Sol Soira. Nathan Fillion as TDK, Pete Davidson as Blackguard, John Cena as Peacemaker, David Dastmalchen as Polkadot Man, Sean Gunn voicing and doing the motion capture for Weasel, uh, let's see, Peter Capaldi as Thinker, Storm Reid as Tyla? I don't, I don't know who some of these people are. It looks so good. This looks so, so good. This looks like the movie we needed the whole time. The, the last Suicide Squad movie, the last one they did... I looked at the same way I did Justice League, the same way I did Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. These aren't great movies, but they're fun. Suicide Squad wasn't great. The cast was really good. It had a lot of promise, but it fell short. What it was, was fun. What it had were these characters that I've grown up reading in the flesh, looking and acting exactly like, like I expect them to. Too bad the movie didn't work out. Now we get some of them returning, not all of them, but some of them returning, and more people added to this cast, and it's going to be badass. In this trailer, we see we see a lot, but we don't see enough, if you get what I mean. 
it doesn't spoil a whole lot because there's still, I bet you there's still a lot of surprises, but we do know that at one point, probably in the beginning, I'm assuming in the beginning, they have to rescue Harley Quinn, but she's Harley Quinn and doesn't need rescuing. We know that more people are going to be added to the squad, probably to indoctrinate those of us who don't already know what this movie's like. Indoctrinate's maybe not the right word. To teach us what we need to know about how the Suicide Squad works, why they're called the Suicide Squad, and how the U.S. government could get so many villains and bad guys on their side. We know that their main mission is going to take place somewhere on this island and something about it, probably a dictator or some something world ending is going on. And in the trailer, we see Starro. We see f***ing Starro, one of the most recognizable Justice League and, well, DC villains. I never thought I would see Starro in a Suicide Squad movie. I thought if we got more Justice League films, that's when we would see it. I am very excited for this. If this movie shows where DC is heading, then maybe they have learned a lesson. Even if they're not going to continue the Snyderverse, even if they're going to continue doing their own vision, maybe they've learned a lesson from this. So maybe they went, okay, hey guys, we we did learn our lesson from Justice League. We did. We, we learned our lesson. We're still not going to do what you want with the Snyder cut, but trust us. Trust us because we pull, we finally removed our heads from our anuses and we're going to give you a good film. Hopefully, this is a sign that things are going to change. Hopefully. My worry is that we're just seeing this because they got James Gunn. And they got James Gunn and they're like, yeah, okay, this is the guy who did the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Maybe, okay, maybe we should listen to him maybe this is the guy we want to listen to and then if they do other movies they'll continue f***ing up i don't know how the future is going to go i know one thing though that this is the next dc movie coming out and it looks good this is going to come out let's see august 6th in theaters and on hbo max hopefully the world will be more open at that time because i would much rather see this on the big screen but if it's for the safety of my family, I will watch it at home. All right, my future friends, that is it for the trailer trove. If I missed anything, or maybe you do want to hear me talk about those two trailers that I kind of shit on, let me know. Say, hey, Billiam, you missed a trailer. Why don't you talk about it next week? And I will. I will do that for you. I will do that because I'm starved for attention. Seriously, talk to me. Some of you do. You know who you are. You already know who you are. But for the rest of you, talk to me. I'm here. I'm listening. I'm listening. I will listen to you. I will do that. But let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. And we'll be right back with the movies coming out on streaming this week. Stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me... Snarf Chris and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. 
right, my future friends, welcome back. It is time for the movies hitting theaters. Technically this week, Godzilla vs. Kong came out, but since we're watching it for the main movie, and since I talked about it last week, we won't be discussing it. But let us start with the first film hitting theaters, and this is a VOD movie. In fact, a lot of these are VOD, except, um, oh, just one. There's one non-simply VOD movie. Anyway, Space Dogs, Tropical Adventure. When a mysterious and dangerous whirlpool appears in the tropics of the Atlantic Ocean, astronauts Belka and Strelka are sent to investigate. With the help of their good friends, Belka and Stelka must once again act heroically and complete a daring mission to save the planet along with the distant home of their new alien friends. This is an animated film from Russia. And the fact that this film is not called Cosmo Mutz disappoints me greatly. Cosmo Mutz, I would watch because that is f***ing hilarious. That is a gem of a title. Space Dogs sounds like some kind of half-assed sci-fi sequel to Ghost Dog. Hey, come on, don't, no. Like, give, give me Cosmo Mutz. Give me that. Next up, we have a film called Amundsen. Amud, Amundsen? The Greatest Expedition, I think. This is the life and facts Oh, I didn't realize I said it that weird. Okay, IMDb has a premise as the following. <clears throat> the life and facts of Norwegian explorer Ronald Amundsen, the first man to arrive on the South Pole. On the South Pole? At. You go at the South Pole. I mean, to the South Pole? I, I don't care anymore. This is a Norwegian film that stars Paul Sever Hagen from What Happened to Monday, Christian Rubeck from What Happened to Monday, and Catherine Waterston from Inherent Vice. And it it doesn't look bad. It, it really doesn't. But how many times have I said this? And I, I really need a new way to rate this. I really need a new way to talk about films like this that don't look bad, but I also won't go out of my way to watch. Like I, I will not make time. I will not make time out of my out of my busy, busy week. It's not that busy. Out of my busy week <laughs> to watch this film. Uh, but it seems okay. I mean, why not? Next up, we have another VOD film called Shiva Baby. At a Jewish funeral service with her parents, a college student runs into her sugar daddy. Because why not? This stars Rachel Sennett from Call Your Mother, Molly Gordon from Booksmart, Fred Melamed from A Serious Man, and Diana Agron from Glee. After that, we have a film called Say Your Prayers. I believe we've talked about this in the trailer trove a couple weeks back. This is about two orphaned brothers turned radical Christian hitmen who venture to rural Ilkley, I think, under the instructions of Father Enoch. Their mission? Assassinate Professor John Huxley, famed atheist writer. This stars Harry Melling from the Harry Potter series, Tom Brooke from Preacher, Roger Allum from V for Vendetta, and Derek Jacoby from Gladiator. You know, thinking about it, I really should have switched this movie with the next one to keep it in order of interest. But let's talk about this anyway. Um, This movie looks like it has the chance to be fun and interesting, but the equal probability says that it would also be boring and forgettable. It's one of those movies that sits there right in the middle where it's like Schrodinger's movie. It's either good or bad. It's, I don't think this one's going to be a meh. I think this is going to be a, either a sleeper, enjoyable movie or something you should skip at all costs. It looks interesting. It does. I've watched a trailer and I do want to see this. 
but it also, I just have that feeling that I think it could equally be crap. And, you know, time will tell. That is, if I ever watch this, if it ever hits some streaming service other than Video On Demand. All right, my future friends, we have a movie that we talked about before in the trailer trove, just like the last one, called Every Breath You Take. A psychiatrist whose client commits suicide finds his family life disrupted after introducing her surviving brother to his wife and daughter because that's a good idea. This stars Casey Affleck from Gone Baby Gone, Michelle Monaghan from Gone Baby Gone, Sam Claflin from Me Before You, India Isley from Kite, and Hiro Kanagawa from I, Zombie. This movie just kind of makes me ask myself, what if What About Bob was a thriller? (laughs) Do you remember that movie with Richard Dreyfuss and Bill Murray called What About Bob, where the psychiatrist goes on vacation and his patient just shows up on vacation and just wreaks havoc? I get, oddly enough, I get those kind of vibes from every breath you take, but there's nothing funny about this movie. This guy, uh, played by Sam Claflin, shows up and then... He obviously blames Casey Affleck's psychiatrist character for the death of his sister. So he he goes after the guy's family. He hits on his daughter, who I hope is in college. Otherwise, that's going to be really weird. And then he also hits on the wife. And it looks like she's kind of opened his advances, or at least he wears her down, which is really creepy. That's a really creepy thing to do. And then we start to see Casey Affleck kind of lose it because he's like hey hey no this guy's bad news and everyone's like oh no you're just you know there's there's nothing wrong with this guy he's like no i'm a f-ing psychiatrist will you f-ing listen to me no this guy's not right maybe you should take me seriously and everyone's like no no he's fine and guess what it's not fine it's funny that the two main the two main people uh, casey affleck and michelle monahan are both from gone baby gone because i compare this movie also <laughs> Not just to What About Bob, but to Gone Baby Gone, because Gone Baby Gone is one of those films I will only watch once. I watched the film, I was like, wow, this is well acted, this is a well done film, but it's dark and depressing, and I have no need to ever watch it again. I did buy it because I it was um, I got it on a huge discount, probably either like Walmart or Target or somewhere, I forgot where, but... I do kind of regret it now because I own it and I could have put that money towards something else. But isn't that the risk you take when you just buy something that you've never seen? We've taken that risk. We all have, right? And in this case, for me, it didn't go my way. I have the feeling that every breath you take is going to be a lot like that, where it's going to be good. It looks like it has it looks like it's a quality film and has proven good actors in it. But it looks darker than Midnight on Pluto. I just can't, I just can't get myself to even hint that I will watch this film. But who knows? And my future friends, our final film that's coming out this week is a movie coming straight to Netflix called Concrete Cowboy. Yes, another film that we've talked about in the trailer trove. In fact, I think it's the same episode, the same, very same trailer trove where we talked about Say Your Prayers and Every Breath You Take. Hmm. It's almost like they released these trailers at the same time because these DVD, these DVDs, these movies were coming out the same week. Oh, it's almost like they did that. Anyway, Concrete Cowboy is about a teenager who discovers a world of urban horseback riding when he moves in with his estranged father in North Philadelphia. 
So it's, so it's almost like in North Philadelphia, born and raised, in the stables is where I spent most of my days mucking and brushing and petting all cool and riding my horse outside of the school. Did that, did that work for anyone? Am I clever? No, okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, this stars Idris Elba from The Losers, Caleb McLaughlin from Stranger Things, Lorraine Toussaint from Hudson Hawk, Jarrell Jerome from When They See Us, and Method Man from Method in Red. I want to see this. I do. This is the only film this week that I know for a fact I'm going to watch. And this looks like a... It looks like if you remember that movie The Mustang, I think it was called, from... Okay, from 2019 with Matthias Schoenarts and uh, Bruce Dern and Jason Mitchell about about a convict who was given the chance to participate in a rehabil- rehabilitation therapy involving the training of wild Mustangs. So I I get this feeling that Concrete Cowboy is like a father and son story told inspired heavily by that film. But this is a real thing. In the middle of the city, you will just find people that own horses because why not? Where else will you own a horse if you don't have wide open acreage? So it, it feels like at the heart of this movie is a father-son story. We have Caleb McLaughlin, who plays the son to Idris Elba's dad. And they are estranged. They don't know each other very well. And, okay, let's find out what their names are. Cole. Cole is the kid. Harp is the dad. Okay. So we have Cole, who doesn't seem very happy about being there with his dad. And he feels like his dad isn't trying to reach out to him. But he's, Idris Elba's Harp is also like, oh, well, it's not that I'm not inviting you. You're just hanging out with these these hoodlums and, and going down this bad path. So Cole has to learn a lot about life, and with the help of his dad and the people in this community, he does. And it seems like there's more of a struggle just between Cole and his dad. It seems like the cops are after them because they don't like the horses in the city or something. It just seems like that this is one of those movies where we're, we're rooting for everyone, but everything's against them. And we have this wonderful, unique culture in the middle of this big city that is trying its hardest to survive. And how does it survive? By the younger generations picking it up and continuing the tradition. And Cole is probably going to be one of those kids that goes, this is a life I like. This is something I want. And I will follow my father's footsteps because probably by the end of the movie, he's learned a lesson or he's chilled out. And this just looks like a really good movie. This is a drama through and through with a very unique idea behind it. It's like, I want to tell this compelling father-son drama and about a threatened way of life. Like, oh, really? What's his way of life? Horses in the city. And I joke, but I do think this looks really good and I want to watch it. And you know that we're going to be talking about this on one episode of Future Flex coming up but probably not until after 200 episodes because we have one more episode left. I'm going to take a little break after episode 199 and then come back with episode 200. But more about that later. Concrete Cowboy, I think it looks really good. Best news is that it's on Netflix, so all of us could watch it right away on April 2nd. Well, my future friends, let us take our next break, and you know who it is. You know... You know who's up next? You know that it is the Watch Your Mouth podcast's turn. So please stay tuned and we'll be right back with some kaiju talk. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. 
Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of... Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, everyone, we're back. We're back. Before we talk about Godzilla vs. Kong, we're going to talk about Godzilla from 2014. We are going to talk about Kong Skull Island. We're going to talk about Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And then we'll talk about the new one. So, fun fact, I believe it was the original Godzilla vs. Kong. It was actually called King Kong vs. Godzilla. It came out in 1963. And it was full of that cheesy goodness. Obviously a guy in an ape suit. Obviously someone in a Godzilla suit. 100% cheesy. 100% what we loved from kaiju movies as children. Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla was one of my favorite Godzilla films growing up. I watched it all the time. And that's why I'm super stoked for this new one. Because we know. We know it's going to be Mechagodzilla. They can't hide it from us, though they also didn't try very hard. So in the original film, we have this television station wanting to do something great. So they go to this island, they capture King Kong, they bring him back to the mainland, it happens to be mainland Japan, and he escapes and runs amok. Who's there on, main, on the mainland? Godzilla. Who's going to fight? Both of them. So it seems like they're neither one of them's good in this one. Of course, King Kong, you can't really blame him, can you? He's just l- trying to live his Kong life on his island, and then people come and f*** them, which always seems to be the case. If you, like, m- so many versions of King Kong, Kong's just trying to do his thing, and people come and f*** it up, and that's why he just is perceived as a bad guy, because he's like, look, I didn't want to be here, so I'm going to I'm gonna steal this woman here, or kidnap this woman and climb that f***ing Empire State Building. Get the fuck off me. And then Godzilla is the only one who, in the first one, or in, in some movies, is a straight-up villain, but then the rest of the time jumps to the other side of the thing and is Earth's protector. Because in the... If you look at the Godzilla from 2014... Oh, wrong one. If you look at Godzilla from 2014, that starred Aaron Taylor Johnson, Ken Watanabe, Brian Cranston, Elizabeth Olsen... David Strathairn, monstrous creatures are showing up. And then we have this idea that there's something bigger out there. There's something worse out there. And so Godzilla shows up. And so people are like, oh, we got it. We got to take care of this motherfucker. We got to stop him. But what do they learn? What do they learn in that movie is that Godzilla is, is here to fight. He's just blowing shit up because he's like, oh, I'm going to walk to where I'm going to meet these bad guys. Is there a city there? Okay, whatever. I'm going to stomp through that shit. And... He saves the day. So already in this monster verse, already in this cinematic universe, Godzilla is at best a hero, at worst an anti-hero. Though he does save the day, and he saves the day again in Godzilla King of Monsters from 2019 with Kyler Chandler, Vera Farmiga, uh, Millie Bobby Brown, Ken Watanabe, Bradley Whitford, Charles Dance. Great, great cast. 
but we don't watch these movies for the cast. We do not. We watch these movies to watch f***ing huge monsters fighting. And Godzilla King of Monsters gave us more of what we wanted. Because one of the biggest complaints from 2014 Godzilla is that Godzilla really wasn't in it. So the people behind the movies were like, you want more f***ing Godzilla? We'll give you more f***ing Godzilla. And Godzilla King of Monsters, he's defending the world against Rodan, against King Ghidra or Ghidra or whatever is the big villain. So shit's getting wrecked because we all we have all these huge monsters fighting, but it's either, hey, let them tear cities apart and kill people while Godzilla tries to help us or just kind of bend over and let them take and let them ruin us. So we've already been introduced to Godzilla, to Mothra, to Rodan, and to King Ghidra, Ghidra, whatever. We've been introduced to King Kong. Who's left? Who's a big one that's left? Who's the biggest one that we haven't talked about yet in these movies, and I've mentioned a million times, yes, Mecha f***ing Godzilla. So in this film, and here's why I think they're going this way, it's because so far Godzilla has been a protector. He's broken a lot of shit, but so have the Avengers, so has the Justice League. He's broken a lot of shit, but he's saved the world from huge threats. And then we have him suddenly breaking shit and killing people and going on rampages. So the people are like, oh, our protectors turned on us. We can't stop him. What do we do? What should we do? Another monster can fight him. We know of a monster back in the 70s. We knew of a monster back then. Let's go and get him. So they go and get Kong. And so Kong meets Godzilla. He's like, yo, what up? And they start fighting just like that. I quoted it verbatim. Trust me. And so what I'm assuming and you've heard me talk about this before, is that Godzilla, the real Godzilla, is going to start getting his shit wrecked by Kong, and he's like, the f***, what have I done? And that's where, when we're going to learn that Mechagodzilla is behind it the whole time. I did skip over Kong Skull Island. Great film. With Kong Skull Island, King Kong could have still happened. The fact that Kong Skull Island exists doesn't rule out that King Kong ever happened because they even hint that there were more of him at one point. There were other big f***ing apes. And Kong Skull Island with Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson, John C. Riley, John Goodman, and another amazing cast. We see that Kong is a good guy and he's trying to stop these big monsters from coming out of this, like what seems to be a hell mouth and, uh, and ruining shit. So, it makes sense that Kong wants to stop Godzilla. I don't know if things like this were done on purpose. I don't know that when they made Skull Island, if they knew where this was going. I don't know if when they made King of Monsters, if they knew where it was going. But it seems like it's lining up very well. And I don't think this is the last one. I really don't. I think they're going to give us more. And I think it's going to lead up to a endgame to a Justice League, to a to a epic event-style movie, and this isn't it. Because we're going to need Kong and Godzilla on the same side fighting something, and I think that's where all these movies are, are heading, because now I think they have an idea. Now I think they have a goal. And what that goal is, is just going to be fun. So as of recording this, I'm recording this on Sunday the 28th, I have not seen uh, Godzilla vs. Kong yet, because it hasn't come out. And so I'm going to pause right now. And when I come back, it'll be in, it'll be a couple days later and I'll have seen it. But my prediction right now is that the monsters fighting is going to be badass. And the human stuff is going to take a it's just going to take a step to the side. 
and they're going to be forgettable because what we want are the monsters fighting. So my future friends, it's time to hear from our good, good friends, Robbie and Lisa, who are nearing their 100th episode, and we'll be right back with Godzilla versus Kong. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It is time to talk about Godzilla vs. Kong. It is currently April 1st. No April Fool's joke for me. You can you can rest easy knowing that's not going to happen. Also, I don't know what I would do. What 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 would I even do? Oh, I didn't watch Godzilla vs. Kong. Psych, I did. Lol. No, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is tell you that, yes, I just got done watching Godzilla vs. Kong. I wasn't feeling too hot Thursday or Wednesday night, so we waited until today to watch it. And let's just uh, go over the premise according to IMDb and who's in it. So Godzilla vs. Kong. This is the next epic chapter in the cinematic monsterverse that pits two of the greatest icons in motion picture history against one another. The fearsome Godzilla and the mighty Kong with humanity caught in the balance. This stars Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things, Rebecca Hall from The Town, Brian Tyree Henry from Superintelligence, Shun Oguri, uh, who hasn't done much in America, but if you ever saw the live-action Lupin III movie, he was in that. Isa Gonzalez from Baby Driver, Julian Dennison from Hunt for the Wilder People, Lance Reddick from John Wick, Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights, Damian Bachir from The Hateful Eight, Hakim K. Kazim from Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, and Ronnie Chang from Crazy Rich Asians. And I'll tell you what, Half of those people were hardly in the movie. This actually just mainly follows Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Bobby Brown, Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, and Julian Dennison. Uh, Isaac Gonzalez and Damian Bachir a little bit, and the others are just in it for a scene here or there, but they have enough star power or they're notable enough to get mentioned in the intro. Uh, the only person who was really in it and a big part of it that I didn't mention was Kylie Hottle. Who is a brand? Who's brand new to Hollywood? This is her first movie. Uh, she plays Gia or Jaya. I, I actually never paid attention to how the name was said. Uh, this little girl that has seems to have a connection with Kong, and she's deaf. And just just a quick reminder for all of you. I hope you know this, and I hope you do take precautions, just in case. But quick reminder. I am going to talk fully about this film. So if you d want to avoid spoilers until you see it, stop right now and then come back when you're ready. Uh, I'm sorry, I did forget that I... Uh, I've been forgetting to say that when I talk about the movies, but I did notice that sometimes when I talk about the films and what I think, I don't spoil anything because I give my basic thoughts about it and things I like and didn't like. And those things I liked and didn't like had nothing to do with key points of the plot. But for this, I am going to talk about key plot points so that's your warning so kaylee hoddle plays gia uh and gia's deaf and what we learn in the movie is that gia and kong sign to each other that king kong has learned sign language 
And I like how when everyone realizes that Kong can sign, everyone's like, oh, blown the fuck away. It's like, yeah, but we've been teaching apes to sign for a long time. This is not a new thing. So what makes you think that a gigantic ape wouldn't also learn how to sign? In fact, in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Caesar signing to James Franco is the least unbelievable thing of the of the movie but anyways uh, so she is deaf in real life and i like that i like that they got someone who really was deaf to do it because i can't imagine it's that easy for someone who's deaf to get roles in a movie especially if that character they're playing isn't already deaf and if she wants to continue to pursue acting this is a great start she did a really good job in this and if she doesn't if she wants to just walk away going hey i did this what better movie to be in than a huge blockbuster where you are one of the few impressive humans? We all know child actors can be very, very cringy. We also know that child actors sometimes can blow us away. And I think that more than adults, child actors do fall into those one of two categories. Either they're really good or it makes you kind of want to run away because you're so awkward watching them. If you remember that short-lived ABC television show, Single Parents, I think that's what they did very well, is they got kids who could act, but they were also believable as little kids. And then if you remember the show Jane the Virgin, fun fact, the twins in Jane the Virgin are the same twins in Single Parents, but either way, the kids that have played Jane's kid are cringy, cringy and not great. So especially in Jane the Virgin, you could see the two sides of child acting. The little boy that plays Jane's kid, cringy. The kid, the girls that play Petra and Raphael's kid, not cringy. The little girls that play young Jane, not cringy. But anyway, enough about children and acting. Let's talk about the film as a whole. So I made, I made a prediction based on what I liked and didn't like about all the previous films. You already heard me say this in this very episode. So what am I going to say again? That very thing. No one watches these goddamn movies for the people. That being said, the people are important because they do need to serve as a way to move the story forward. In the case of Godzilla vs. Kong, Kong was going to stay on his island. Kong was happy on his island, just staying there. So humans needed to be the one that brought him out, out of, off his island to face up against Godzilla. And in fact, just like I predicted... Just like everyone knew, if you were a big enough fan of the Godzilla series, original or new, if you were, if if you had any knowledge of the history of Godzilla, you could see this coming. But the good thing is, you don't watch a movie like this for its originality. You don't watch a movie like this to be surprised. You watch a movie like this because it is entertaining as fuck. But we know that based on his character, Godzilla isn't a bad guy. He does wreck shit and he really doesn't care about trying to protect lives. He just wants to stop these other monsters. So I thought that maybe it was Mechagodzilla dressed up as Godzilla and then uh, causing destruction, making Kong face off the real Godzilla. No, that's not the case. Godzilla really is wrecking shit. It's because he senses what's going on because they are using the skull of King Ghidorah from Godzilla King of Monsters to power this new Mecha Godzilla. And that is sending off the vibes of another Titan. So Godzilla's like, whoa, hey, something's going on and I have to f 
some shit up because I thought I put an end to this. I thought I was the king. What's going on? So then Godzilla starts showing up and wrecking stuff. People are like, why has Godzilla turned on us? Hmm. I wonder that Godzilla has only attacked the uh, op- the base of operations of this corporation named Apex. I wonder if they're doing anything bad. Said no one ever. How did no one put this together? How did no one go, hey, Godzilla, who we haven't seen in years, Godzilla, who's been keeping a low profile, suddenly shows up and attacks a industrial base. And no one's like, what were you guys doing? They're just like, why has he turned on us? This is horrible. Really, you dumb motherfuckers? Okay, that bothered me a little bit. But of course, it bothers me in retrospect because as I was watching the movie, I just wanted to see the monsters fighting. I didn't give a shit about the story. In fact, I was bored by the idea of what I thought the movie was going to do because we have Alexander Skarsgård's character who is invested in this whole hollow earth idea. And if you don't know, the hollow earth theory was an actual theory, um, and I had to look this up, that was suggested by Edmund Halley, who is an English astronomer, a geophysicist, mathematician, meteorologist, and physicist. And he thought, oh, hey, I believe that the Earth actually has a hollow center where there's like another world in it. This has been since disproven. This was disproven uh, in about the late 1700s. And by the mid 19th century, uh, it was basically laughed at. But these days, if anyone actually believes that they're the same people who believe the Earth is flat or that vaccinations cause autism or that chemtrails are a thing, any of that other stupid shit where you hear someone say it and you're like, oh, okay, you're an idiot and I should not take anything you say seriously. I get it. But anyway, the hollow earth theory has been a favorite, favorite thing of of adventure movies and science fiction and things like that because it opens up this whole idea that, oh, that's how dinosaurs survive. That's how all this stuff happens. Think of Journey to the Center of the Earth. So I think that they're, they are building up to a Journey to the Center of the Earth movie, and that might be the next movie in the MonsterVerse, even though at the end of this movie, we do see Kong living in the Hollow Earth area because he's like, oh, hey, this is where my people are from. I'm hang here for now, all right? But that's how I think they're going to keep it going, that something else comes out of this Hollow Earth that's now awakened because uh, Kong is now there. But anyway, Alexander Skarsgård's character believes in this Hollow Earth thing. Damien Bachir is the head of this company named Apex, who goes, hey, we believe you. Uh, let's use our vast wealth to help you figure this out. They go on an expedition to the uh, to center of the Earth which apparently already existed and everyone knew it was there and they just provided the, the technology to get there or something, some super plane, which is like, if it was right there and you all knew it, why, why? Like, why, why was it still a theory, quote unquote? And I know I, that's not what theory means. Don't, don't jump on my ass about that. The theory of evolution isn't a theory, quote unquote. I, I get it. But anyway, he sends his daughter along into danger because that's what a good father does. And we find out that Damien Bachir's company, Apex, has created Mechagodzilla. And the idea is because they don't want humanity to have to bow down to the Titans anymore. But the problem is Mechagodzilla, super powerful, but requires too much energy that humans can't humans can't uh, uh, keep up with. 
So they believe that in the center of the earth is this super powered thing. I, I, I kind of zoned out when they're talking about that because I, I just wanted to see monsters fighting. But they get it somehow, like they just, they had some robots scan it, scan the power, like, oh, that's how, we'll just do this now. Some stupid shit. But you know what? None of that shit matters. None of that matters, and I'll tell you why, because it was just these boring points in the movie where we just could have had more Godzilla versus Kong. Anytime the humans were talking for too long, there could have been more Godzilla versus Kong. That is the lesson for this movie. That is a lesson that they need to learn moving forward. That anytime there's too much of this, and I'm doing the, the opening close hand thing to symbolize the mouth moving. You know, there's too much gabbing going on. We need to do less of the gabbing, more of the monsters fighting. You do not watch movies like this for the gab. You don't. Who's a classic actor? Act, um, Kim Novak. Kim Novak. Kim Novak could come back from the dead. And say, you know what? I am going to give... Oh, wait. No, Kim Novak's still alive. I forget this. Oh, my God. I forget this. Anyway, Kim Novak could return to the silver screen go, hey, I'm going to give my best performance ever. It will make you say things like Picnic and Vertigo. What? Those weren't even movies. This is her performance. And I wouldn't give a flying shit because it's a monster movie. It's like when you go in to watch a DC movie. You know they're not going to do as good of a job with the rest of it that Marvel does, so you kind of watch it just for the action. And it may sound like I'm being harsh. And maybe I am. But after sitting down and watching Godzilla vs. Kong, I realized that one of two things needed to happen. The movie was an hour and 53 minutes, and either it needed to be longer, and we needed 100% of that added time to be Titans fighting... 100% of the time to be Titans fighting, or we needed to keep the length right where it was and cut out some of the people stuff. Because I'll tell you what, none of the people were bad. None of them were bad. I like Alexander Skarsgård and Millie Bobby Brown. I like Brian Tyree Henry and Julian Dennison, Lance Reddick, Kyle Chandler. I like them all. But this is the kind of movie that they all sign up for, knowing that they are all playing second fiddle to a CG monster fight. All of them are playing second fiddle. Do you think Ken Watanabe signed on for the first two Godzilla films going, oh yeah, I'll be the star here. No, he knew 100% what was going on. Just like when he signed up for Detective Pikachu, he knew 100% people were watching it for the Pokemon. But we do have to critique the story a little bit, right? So Brian Tyree Henry, I like him. I like him a lot, but his character bothered me because his character is one of those conspiracy theorists and we find out that Millie Bobby Brown from Godzilla King of Monsters uh, listens to his podcast, which I feel attacked. I feel attacked that we had a goofy podcaster <laughs> as, uh, as one of the main characters. But she, too, is one of these uh, conspiracy theorists. And I can never fully support a conspiracy theorist character in a movie just because I've met too many of them. I, I, I work. Some of our regular customers at the at the health food store I work at are these people. I would much rather have his character have been different, have him just be someone that works at Apex and notice something has go, is going on. If you want to keep him as a podcaster, that's great. Give him a podcast about something else. Maybe he loves the uh, he loves the Titans, and um, it's not about Titan conspiracies, but just about his love of them or something. Kyle Chandler, one of the best human parts from the last Godzilla film, 
was hardly seen in it. And I really wanted to know what happened to him afterwards. Because they mentioned him as the director, I think, of Monarch or something. How the f*** did that happen? He was a drunk taking photos of animals in um, Africa. or I forgot where he was. Somewhere. He was somewhere taking pictures of animals. And in the years in between has become uh, a director at the company that he had left. And don't think I don't see the hypocrisy in what I'm saying. That I wanted less the humans, but I wanted things explained more. I just wanted the humans, even, even though I wanted them to have a smaller part, I just wanted their parts to be better and to explain a little more. Because some of the characters really served no, uh, no purpose. Kyle Chandler didn't need to be in there. I love him. He didn't need to be there. We had Damien Bachir and Isaac Gonzalez, who were only there for the antagonist role. Uh, they did. They served no other purpose. Shun Oguri, and I can't believe I'm saying this, that an Asian should have been taken out of a movie, but his character didn't have to be there at all. They could have just combined his character and Damien Bajir's character into one person. The human aspect of this movie needed a lot. Needed a lot of cleaning up. It wasn't bad. The actors did the best with what they had. That is a very important thing to point out because they all did a good job. But they also, and I think they knew this, I 100% know they knew this going in, is that they never stood a chance. They were never going to be the, sell be the selling point of this film. And I, I believe that all of them were okay with this. And what's the deal with Warner Brothers doing shit like this? Like releasing a film going, oh, we, we should know what people want. We should know that they're going to come into this wanting a certain thing, but we're not going to deliver it. No, 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 no. Okay, you know what? Let's let's stop talking about that. Let's talk about the actual battle between Godzilla versus Kong. Yes, 100%. If it wasn't for that f***ing axe that Kong finds in the hollow earth, if it 100% wasn't for that hollow axe, Kong would have gotten his shit wrecked, like 100% wrecked. He would never have stood a chance against Godzilla. And then Mechagodzilla would have burst out of the ground and started wrecking Godzilla's shit because Godzilla and Kong had to fight together to beat him because he's some super-powered a machine that's just unfair. And it's funny that they call it Godzilla versus Kong because the focus of the film was more on Kong. Just like in the first Godzilla film, we didn't see him much and it was disappointing. I wanted more Godzilla. I wanted more Godzilla versus Kong because the fight scenes were entertaining. It was fun. It was enjoyable. It was a spectacle for the eyes. I wanted to drink it in. But there's two fight scenes between them there's the one on the ship where really Kong stood 100% no chance because Godzilla is an aquatic creature. He works well actually in the, in the water and on land and Kong doesn't. And then in Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong, in Hong Kong, we see that battle there. In a almost two hour movie co called Godzilla vs. Kong, they meet twice. And that is criminal. I wish the trailers didn't show us the axe in, in the trailer. I wish it didn't, because that would have been really cool then, to see, oh, King Kong gets a weapon to fight against Godzilla. Because seeing the axe in that scene, where Kong is leaping to hit Godzilla with something, and Godzilla's beam is being absorbed by this by this mallet axe thing he's holding, so then when we see it in the hollow earth, we're like, oh, okay, there we go. That is somehow the key to everything. Oh, it absorbs the energy from the earth. Oh, so that's how Godzilla's going to power him up. Guess, I bet you somehow when they fight Mechagodzilla, Godzilla's going to power up the axe and it's going to take out Mechagodzilla. Oh, that's exactly what happened. 
And it does sound like I'm contradicting myself again, because you you know and I know that we don't watch movies like this to be surprised. We watch movies like this for the pure entertainment of it. We don't watch movies like this because we're thinking that they're going to somehow be a a cerebral action thriller that's somehow going to come out of left field and surprise us with something. But they kind of spelled it right out for us in the trailers. And if you remember a couple episodes ago when I mentioned if you don't want a spoiler for Godzilla vs. Kong, don't watch the new uh, some of the new short trailers. That's because one of them was called Mecha Godzilla. They put it right in the title. Look, I really liked this film. I did. I loved it for the action. I loved it for Kong vs. Godzilla. I loved it for that. The people aspect of the film was mediocre at best. Good acting but the story just suffered because there wasn't enough of it. Either we just needed a better told story and less of it, or just a longer movie in general so we could get the human aspect fleshed out more and we can see more of the fighting. It's criminal that we have so many of these movies like this, yet we don't see a lot of the main reason people come to see the films. Do you remember the 90s Godzilla? Was it 90s or early 2000s Godzilla? The Matthew Broderick one with uh, Gene Reno and where Godzilla looked awful, but it did spawn that kind of fun cartoon that lasted one or two seasons. Even in that one, they didn't show Godzilla much. What is with these companies? When will they learn that it is okay just to have a Godzilla or a Kong or a monster-centric movie. Watch all the old Godzilla movies. Eventually, all of the old Japanese Godzilla movies knew what was up. There's very few of the people because it was all about Godzilla versus these old monsters because they realized that is what people wanted to watch, so that's what they gave. When will Warner Brothers, when will Hollywood learn this? Godzilla versus Kong had the... had the possibility had the promise it had the potential to be on my list on my short list for movie of the year based on sheer enjoyment but it's not going to be i still really liked it i thought it was a fun film i will rewatch this i will own it it'll be right there on my shelf but it just fell too short because it didn't give us enough of what we all wanted Godzilla vs. Kong was good, but it could have been better. Godzilla vs. Kong needed more Godzilla vs. Kong. It's not great, but it's a step in the right direction. And with their next movie, I hope they realize this. I hope that they realize that they need to give us more of the monsters. But for now, Godzilla vs. Kong gets an 8 out of 11. All right, my future friends, that is it. That is it for the show let us jump right into the question of the week and then I'll tell you what we're watching for next week. So the question of the week, if you don't remember, was who do you want to watch face Godzilla and Kong? And it could have been anyone. I wanted you to have fun with this and we did actually get an answer from outside the house. And yes, it is from our good friend Brian Q who says the best person to fight Godzilla and King Kong would be Indiana Jones. While he probably screwed up and released Kong from Skull Island, he would also recognize that neither can be defeated by brute force, and then they would need to be lulled back into a state of pacificity. He says, by the way, I've been to Skull Island. It's a small nation ruled by the Dutch, whose major claim to fame is ownership of the world's smallest international airport. Welcome to Skull Island, where our major claim to fame is the world's smallest international airport. 
and the biggest monkey turds. Monkey turds. Thank you, Brian Q. That's a really good answer. Uh, I, I do really, really like that one. Because you had fun with it. That is a really good idea. The next answer comes from Anne, who says, River from Firefly. She can do anything. And she can. Hell, Summer Gloud did that fight scene in the bar in one take, which is very impressive. So yes, River can do anything. And for my answer, because I'm me and I'm such a rascal, I'm going to cheat and have two answers. The the one that would be interesting but less fun would be The Thing. Not The Thing from The Fantastic Four, but The Thing from John Carpenter's The Thing. It can morph into anything and take the DNA of its victims. So it gets some DNA from Godzilla and Kong, morphs into some scary amalgamation of them, and they have to fight it. And it just keeps changing with each fight, and that would be amazing. Maybe even get some DNA from the skull of King Ghidorah. That would be great. But my friends... Some of you may even know I'm going to say this. I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe you know. But instead of Mechagodzilla, let's just replace it with the Megazord. Yes, the original Megazord from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That would be hilarious. They would get their shit wrecked, and then they would have to call upon the White Tiger Zord to become the ultimate form. They can even get the uh, Dragon Zord. Is that what it was called? In, and they'd tag team. Uh, it'd be great. And my future friends, it's time for a new question of the week, and I, I'm really having trouble thinking of one, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I've done before and kind of rephrase an old one. And you'll, you'll get why in a bit. So King Kong, I believe, was from 1933, and Godzilla, I know for a fact, is from 1965. Uh, they have been remade a million times. So how about this? Uh, do you have a movie from back then? Uh, let's try and focus on something more sci-fi or action-y that you think could stand for a modern remake or reboot. If you do remember me asking something like this before and you did answer it, uh, come up with a different answer. Like, have fun with this. What old movie, 1930s and 1950s, do you think could stand a modern remake, especially with our technology? So that's why I say focus on more sci-fi and action-y films. Oh, Godzilla's not from 1956. Um, Godzilla is from 1954. Okay, 1954. All right, my future friends, let's talk about what we're watching for next week. Uh, there was a movie I meant to talk about during Black History Month because I never got around to it. But this month, we've been so busy with the big movies coming out, Justice League and Godzilla vs. Kong, that we're going to talk about an older movie from 2017, maybe? Uh, older movie from two, 2016, so old, I know, <laughs> called Hidden Figures. You can stream it right now on Disney Plus or Hulu with a premium premium subscription. So we're going to be watching and talking about Hidden Figures. And the other movie, you know I said we're going to talk about some films that you can get on Redbox. And we're going to talk about Freaky. Freaky released last year with Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton by the director and writer of Happy Death Day. So available on Redbox. And if you just get the disc, it's cheaper, a lot cheaper than renting it on anywhere else because you can get it for $5.99 renting on YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, or Amazon Prime or $14.99 on Apple TV. I hope that's the paint. I hope that's a buying price. Either way, too much money to pay unless you're going to physically own the film. So once again, Hidden Figures on Hulu, or, sorry, Hidden Figures on Disney Plus 
also available on premium Hulu, and Freaky, available through Redbox or rental on streaming. Well, my future friends, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed my talk about Godzilla vs. Kong. So let's wrap this up with a closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.